Hey, this is Stu at Bitcoin and Financial Independence. And what a crazy week it's been. There's a lot to catch up on with all the volatility in the cryptocurrency market. And I'm going to try to break that down for my listeners as much as I can. So to just get started, on Monday, I started hearing some rumblings about FTX possibly having some financial troubles, along with BlockFi, because they got loans from FTX US. They had a $400 million revolving line of credit, and they also had this option where BlockFi could be acquired at a variable price of up to $240 million. And this was set up back in the summer, or at least announced back in July, that there might be something where BlockFi and FTX get together. So I was a little bit on edge, and I did have some money in BlockFi, but I'd never had anything to do with FTX. So what I immediately did was withdraw my $21 of Bitcoin from BlockFi to Coinbase, and from there, I'm going to cold storage my, my Bitcoin. And the reason why is I have a whitelisted address and I can only send it to this one trusted address, which is right now Coinbase. So I have to hop it around to get it to my cold storage. And as far as BlockFi goes, when I first regained interest about a year and a half ago in the cryptocurrency market, in Bitcoin and all this, I did open up a BlockFi account and I did end up getting the BlockFi credit card. And that $21 of Bitcoin is what I've earned in the last few months from spending on the BlockFi credit card. So it's a little bit interesting. I'm not sure what's going to happen next because the statement's about to close and I have $1,800 that I've spent on this credit card, which should give me about $27 of Bitcoin. But I'm just going to consider that money gone. I don't think there will be a way for me to withdraw this Bitcoin very easily based on what's happening this week. So Monday night, I was following some people on Twitter and there was a post that said that the FTX main cold storage account that that's known, like you can, if you know what wallet they use and you can kind of track this stuff on the blockchain, uh, then you can, you can actually see how much is in an address. And so supposedly one of the main wallets that is used by the company, it had 20,000 Bitcoin in it and that balance was gone. That Bitcoin was moved. For some reason, it dropped to zero. So at this point, I'm just watching and waiting what's going to happen. Uh, later that night, as I was about to go to bed, I did one last check, and I noticed that the FTT token was dropping like a rock. It dropped from $22 down to $17 super fast, and the FTT token is the token that FTX built. Kind of like Crypto.com has the CRO token, Celsius had this CEL token. Uh, Voyager had VGX. So it's what's known as a utility token. And basically when you own a certain amount on these exchanges, it gives you either more interest that you earn or lowered fees or something like that. That's what I had going on Monday, November 7th. And then moving into November 8th, I was still watching this go on as I went and voted and it was election day. And all this stuff with FTX is still happening. And I, I saw a post that says FTX has had $6 billion in withdrawals within the last three days. So what this tells me is that people are fleeing FTX. They're withdrawing other stuff from FTX going either to another exchange or self-custodying. Hopefully, I sure hope it's self-custody. And basically, FTX had completely collapsed this day. The value of his company did too, along with his net worth, which went from 
16 billion to 990 million, basically losing about 94% of his personal net worth, which is really crazy. And so what I'm really thinking is maybe I should have raised a warning flag here for any listeners I have possibly. But really, I didn't have any reason to worry because all my Bitcoin is in self-custody. I don't mess with altcoins, which have these central figures, these central exchanges, these entities that can mess them up completely. So I was sleeping like a baby, had nothing to worry about. Even if Bitcoin dips, I'm not worried about it. It's in cold storage and I'm not going to do anything besides keep buying cheap Bitcoin. But I will say that I went and looked at Corey Clipson's tweets in the last few weeks, and he had been talking a lot about FTX and and Sam Bankman fried the CEO. Obviously, it's kind of an interesting name. They just call him SBF, and he was calling him Scam Bankman Fraud. So you could also change his middle name now to Bankrupt Man. There's a stigma about toxic Bitcoin maximalists is what they call it. And really what it is, is just these Bitcoiners calling out these crypto casinos and these unsound business models. So it's interesting because a lot of the Bitcoiners will get a bit of flash kind of for being harsh or like told you so, or you got what you deserved a little bit. And it's, and it's kind of true uh, because people dabble into all these things. And I realized that we should be compassionate because a lot of people are losing their life savings. There are suicide prevention hotlines going up all over Reddit and some really sad posts about people who have basically lost years and years of savings, their entire life savings, working at jobs that they hate, stuff like that. So I don't know what to say other than it's a super unfortunate situation and you really just have to take control of your own destiny and start to self-custody, which I'm more than happy to coach with. And you can always schedule time with me. It's in the show notes of my podcast or on my website, uh, the pod page website where you can hop on my Calendly and we can chat, come up with a plan and possibly set up coaching. So let's talk a little bit about self-custody. When it comes to self-custody, think about your bank account that you have right now. Think about the traditional financial system where you have your bank, we'll say at Chase, Chase Bank, and you've got $2,000 in your savings account. And right now that's just digital money. So you go to the bank and you pull out $1,000 from your checking account. And now you have paper money paper cash, you take that and you hide it under your mattress or wherever you want to hide it. But you are self-custodying your cash at that point. And that cash is usable as long as that government stays in power. That money is supposedly worth something. It can be used as an exchange. So let's take a look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin is obviously digital money and you buy it a lot of times through a centralized exchange. By the way, my favorite places to buy Bitcoin are Cash App, Strike App. Strike is similar to Venmo and Cash App. Uh, they're all pretty similar. I don't like Venmo. You can buy Bitcoin there, but you cannot transfer it out without selling it first. Cash App and Strike App will let you send Bitcoin as it is without creating these taxable events of buying and selling Bitcoin. So that's why I like those two apps. The other company that I really like is Swan Bitcoin. They have higher fees than cash and strike, but still really low and lower than Coinbase. And it's easy to set up. They did just come out with an app. And just so you know, I am an affiliate for Swan Bitcoin. If you use my link, we both get $10 of Bitcoin. So I appreciate that because that helps support the show and keep it running. But they are a Bitcoin only company and I really like them. 
One thing to know about Swan is there is no sell button. You can buy Bitcoin there, but you cannot sell it. And what I really love about Swan is they are hyper, hyper focused on education and self-custody. They beg you on social media practically every day to self-custody your Bitcoin, to take it off of their exchange. You can buy your Bitcoin through Swan, but they don't want you to keep it there. They want you to self-custody it. So what it means to self-custody when it comes to digital money is that you buy it through one of these centralized exchanges and then you withdraw it from that exchange. And to do this, you need either an app on your phone or your computer or a physical device like a ledger, a Trezor, or a cold card. I like the Trezor personally because it's open source software and it's less complicated than the cold card. The cold card is theoretically better. But for most people, the treasurer is going to do the job and it's going to be simpler. It's more straightforward than the cold card. Uh, it's just as easy to set up a ledger, but I think the treasurer is more secure. But it's just this little device and it looks like a thumb drive kind of. And your Bitcoin doesn't actually go onto that device. What that thumb drive does is it creates an address for you on the Bitcoin network. It essentially broadcasts to all of the miners and all of the nodes that, hey, there's this new place. It's kind of like, think of a growing neighborhood. Uh, there's a new house on the block. And there's a certain Bitcoin here, and we all recognize it. And it's pseudonymous. No one knows. There's no tie to your personal identity, to your name. It's just like, hey, we are aware of this new house that's going up on the street. And we all know how much Bitcoin is in it, but we don't know who it is. That's basically how the Bitcoin network works pseudonymously. It can become known. Often at times there's people that go in on the blockchain and they can tell, they can actually figure out which addresses belong to certain exchanges based on like the financials of the company and how much Bitcoin, how much crypto is in a certain wallet. And I will say that Trezor supports a lot of other cryptocurrencies, but I'm only focused on Bitcoin and I don't mess with anything else. But that's basically how it works is now this device has created a home for your Bitcoin on the blockchain. So it works in a decentralized way is every miner, every node knows everything that happens on the Bitcoin network. So that's the first part. The second part is what this device does is it will generate a 12 or a 24 word seed phrase and you need to store these words. So when you buy a treasure, it will come with three pieces of paper and it will give you your 24 words and you are to write them down in order and keep that piece of paper safe. Now this is where it's tricky uh, because that is the key to the house. So on the network you have a public key and that's like the address. That's where everyone knows oh there's this new thing, there's this new wallet here and we all can see the transactions that have been on this wallet and how much Bitcoin is there. But no one has a key to get in the house and take your Bitcoin. That's called your private key. So these 12 or 24 words that are generated is your private key. And basically the key to your house, the key to your wallet. So you need to keep those words safe and secure. Now to store these 24 words, obviously a piece of paper, your kid can cut it up. It can get wet. I live in an area where sometimes tornadoes come through. And if my house gets blown away and I lose that piece of paper or it gets wet or it gets burned, obviously 
if you're going to stick with paper, you got to figure out some solution. But what I did was I actually transferred my seed phrases to what's known as a crypto tag. Crypto tag is a specific company, but there's other places that do this. But what I did was I actually transferred my seed phrases on this piece of paper to a metal crypto tag. Crypto tag is a company that makes these titanium plates that are bulletproof, fireproof. Uh, they're just super, super tough titanium. And I ordered it and it basically comes with my instructions and you're actually abstracting the words into four digit codes. So that part's a little bit hard to explain, but there's the list of words that your seed phrase will come from. So the 24 words you get comes from a list of 2,048 words and you have to have them in the right order. And it's extremely unique and hard to guess. It's always going to be unique when you have that many possibilities, that many combinations you can put together. And so what I did is I got my crypto tag and I used the punch and I, I literally am punching, like engraving these little dots into metal. And that's where I keep my seed phrase is on this titanium plate. So my key is essentially indestructible. I just have to keep it safe is how it works. So that's what I recommend for anyone looking to self-custody their Bitcoin these days because I'm hearing rumblings now about Crypto.com and about Coinbase, although Coinbase doesn't really do the interest thing, so I don't know how safe they are. But this is what the process is to self-custody. Ordering a Trezor can take a while. And what you want to do is buy directly from Trezor.io. You don't want to go buy one from Amazon or Best Buy because sometimes these can be tampered with. And someone might already have generated the key and then you think you're setting it up, but somebody else already has that key and therefore can steal whatever you put on that wallet. So always buy direct from the source and make sure that it hasn't been tampered with. If you are shaken and you have a good amount in Bitcoin, I would strongly recommend that you learn how to self-custody it. And if you want to do it today, like the fastest, easiest way, because if you're going to order a treasure and crypto tags like I did, that's going to take you a few days for that to get shipped out to your house. But if you need to do it today, then what I would do is I would download this app on my phone. If you have a smartphone, it's called Mun Wallet, M-U-N-N -N, Wallet. And it's just this uh, white background with a blue M. And you can create an address there really quick and easy. And it will generate the words for you, but you don't have to do that front. So you don't have to get all that crazy complicated. But just know that if you lose your phone or if your phone gets hacked, you could lose your Bitcoin. So just recognize that. But that's a really good way to quickly and easily get your Bitcoin off of Coinbase or wherever you can still get it off. Get your Bitcoin off that exchange onto MUN, order your Trezor, order your crypto tag, and then you can transfer to your own wallet address later. So that's my recommendation. And I think that's a good way to keep your money safe. So other lessons that can be taken from all this. I saw this quote from someone on Twitter. It says the chaos of the crypto market is what happens when you have fractional reserve banking without a central bank. So if you were not aware and you think crypto is scary, Bitcoin is scary, um, the dollar is set up the same exact way with the sovereign bond markets. Just replace the CEO of FTX with a central bank and Jerome Powell and replace the FTT token with the dollar or other fiat currencies and replace the users that lost all their money on FTX 
with grandma and their pension. I hate to break it to you, but the dollar is the exact same way. The difference is that there are billions and billions of users of the dollar that just haven't opted out yet. But guess what? Global debt is 350% of global gross domestic product, meaning there is three and a half times as much debt in the world as there is actual money. So what I'm saying is that if you have a fiat currency like the dollar, the euro, or anything else, guess what? It's already gone. It's already gambled away with. But the system still works as long as we can print money and deal with inflation. And we just have this backstop of billions of users and a money printer. But what happens when enough people leave that system, it starts to collapse just like FTX does. So the more people that leave the dollar and move into Bitcoin, the worse it is for the dollar and all these other fiat currencies, which are trending towards collapse. Every fiat currency in history has collapsed. There's never been a fiat currency that is unbacked by commodities that has succeeded on an ongoing basis. So that's lesson number one, is we already have the same system and we are already in the dollar experiencing an FTX crash. It just hasn't happened yet. But in theory, it's inevitable. And there's a lot of history between FTX and Binance. And I'm going to try to sum it up. I might not have the facts 100% right, but from my understanding, Binance was an early investor in FTX and then FTX grew a ton. And Binance became somewhat threatened by that because SBF, Sam Bankman Freed or Fried or however you say his name, I'll just call him SBF from here on out. But the FTX CEO, uh, he donated millions to politicians. Supposedly, he worked with Gary Gensler on ways to skirt SEC rules and regulations. Uh, they're incorporated in the Bahamas. Um, Binance is a Chinese company, but there's a U.S. company associated. I don't know how it works, but since there's not a lot of clarity here, a lot of these are incorporated outside of U.S. jurisdiction. So there's a lot less protections and a lot less regulations, but yet they still operate in the U.S. So SBF had been going to these congressional hearings and had been working with lawmakers, donating to politicians, and and supposedly he started bad-mouthing to politicians about Binance. And, and Binance invested in FTX. So what happened was Binance CEO, his, his name is... He's a Chinese guy. It's hard to pronounce. I don't know how to pronounce it. They just call him CZ. So CZ actually kind of induced a bank run on FTX. And between, I think, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, FTX faced $6 billion of withdrawals and then basically admitted they were insolvent. And so CZ induced this bank run. And now CZ says, oh, yeah, Binance will buy them basically for pennies on the dollar. Super, super cheap. And so there is some hope that, okay, well, this maybe is not going to be so bad because Binance is going to step in and cover the losses and all this stuff because Binance is 10 times bigger than FTX. But I immediately saw some speculation that Binance is probably not going to go through with this. And here's why they ended up not going with it. They took a look at the FTX books and initial reports were that there was a $6 billion hole in the balance sheet. Then it turned out to be $8 billion. So Binance walked away from the deal after just one day. Uh, so that was a false hope given to the market. I already had been primed and kind of expecting this not to happen, which obviously further leads to the collapse. And obviously the withdrawals are paused and no one can get their money out anymore. So it's just a complete mess. Where it gets even messier is that SBF, 
has a hedge fund called Alameda, Alameda Research. And that hedge fund is going and making investments in all these other areas, some of which are good, some of which are bad. Obviously, we know that it's been hard to make investments in the last year with rising rates. So Alameda Research has been losing money. And where did that $8 billion hole come from in the FTX balance sheet? Well, Sam Bankman-Fried owns FTX and he owns this hedge fund. Well, he loaned his hedge fund $8 billion. That $8 billion was user funds. So you, as an FTX user, are putting money into FTX thinking you're buying Bitcoin, thinking you're buying Ethereum, thinking you're buying whatever coins you're buying, and thinking you're earning a yield. Well, he's taking your money that you deposited and making the numbers on your screen look okay, and then taking that and putting it into the hedge fund. And that's why FTX is totally hosed, totally messed up, and BlockFi is messed up with them. No more withdrawals there. And pretty much all of the FTX legal and compliance team have left the company. And also Alameda bought up and required about 70% of the USDT tether, possibly. Uh, that's just something I saw on Twitter. I don't know how true it is. But if you own any tether, I would get out of tether while it's still pegged to the dollar. Anyway, lots of bad stuff. It's crazy. I mean, supposedly... Sam Bankman-Fried once transferred $4 billion of FTX funds to Alameda without telling his executives. Also, I'm just going to say, if you own Solana, it would sell out because 80% of the market is going to become unstaked or basically unlocked. And uh, if that all gets dumped, then definitely you don't want to be holding the bag on Solana. If you already have some, now would be a good time to sell. Not financial advice, do your own research, but that's just word on the street. And finally, just to wrap this up, but the Wall Street Journal ended up saying that in total, FTX had $16 billion in customer assets, and they gave $10 billion to Alameda, some of which Alameda kept and still has, and some of which they do not. So FTX has been looking to raise some money from investors, but has been unable to do so successfully, and have no idea if they'll be able to. So it's really a sad, difficult situation for a lot of people. And Sam Bankman-Fried did go in on Twitter and admit that he's sorry and that he totally messed up. Uh, it's too bad that he couldn't come out with it any sooner. So if you have Bitcoin or crypto on an exchange, particularly if it's crypto.com or KuCoin, I would get that out of there. I've also heard of Bitfinex Huabi, I don't know how you say this, and OKEX, OKEX, OKEX. These are all exchanges I would get off of. You could say that Coinbase is safe for now, but who really knows? I have no clue. Uh, this is why I think it's a time to self-custody. Now, notice that all of the Bitcoin-only companies seem to be doing okay. Swan is good. Strike is good. River Financial is good. Cash App is good. There's been no issues other than, I will say Swan and Strike had some things where normally they have no fees. Well, Swan has fees and supposedly a really low spread or no spread. And then Strike has no fees, but they have a, a tiny spread as well. But supposedly their spread got totally messed up and that's not a problem with River Financial. I set up an account with River Financial last night in about five minutes, linked my bank account, about $50 of Bitcoin there. Uh, at spot price, no fees, super easy. I'm really interested in River Financial. That's probably where I'm going to keep dollar cost averaging from here on out. 
Oh, and also my Fold card. That's Bitcoin only. Soon you'll be able to buy Bitcoin on the Fold without uh, having the Fold card, I think. So that's something to look forward to. But all those companies are doing just fine. Bitcoin only is the way to go. If you don't know where the yield is coming from, then you are the yield. Obviously, we've seen what's happened with Celsius and Voyager going under back in April or in the summer time when all that stuff was going down. I don't even remember. seems like forever, but but here we are in the same situation with FTX and BlockFi. And we'll see if any other crypto exchanges get caught up in the contagion that's in the market right now. So I've gone longer than I wanted to, than I meant to. I have more thoughts to share, more things that I've been learning. Uh, but for now, we're going to leave it at this. And if you need help self-custodying your Bitcoin, I'm happy to walk you through the process. This is what's known as becoming a sovereign individual. So as I mentioned with self-custodying your dollars, the dollars under your mattress are going to be there as long as the government is there. The Bitcoin that you have on that wallet from those 24 words, if you can keep those 24 words on titanium or whatever in your mind, no one can take it away from you as long as the Bitcoin network is functioning, as long as the Bitcoin network is there. You have to figure out, does this decentralized network that has miters and nodes operating all across the globe, is that going to last longer than the government? Is encryption going to last longer than the government? Is math going to last longer than the government? And then on the other hand, you have the dollar. So you have to decide where you want to keep your money and how to split it up. But that's basically the main difference is Bitcoin doesn't depend on the government. It doesn't depend on any nation. Yes, there's buying and selling pressure and adoption and all this stuff. It's always going to be usable. It's always going to be operating. And it's just going to work, even if a government collapses, I believe. So, all right. Remember, financial independence is doable. Do yourself a favor and grab $10 of Bitcoin with Swan Bitcoin or $5 of Bitcoin with Stripe. Not your keys, not your coins. And remember that financial independence is doable.